Welcome to Light Your Leadership Talks, or LIL Talks. Every week, we bring you informal chats with leaders and leadership experts from around the globe. Your host is Lisa Anna Palmer, author of the international best-selling book, Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. Listen in so that you too can stay informed about the latest wise practices that set great leaders apart. Today's topic is awesome. It's near and dear to my heart. It's about how we can support early leadership development in children. And our guest is Phil Maycomber. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so excited for this conversation in this episode. This is a topic very near and dear to my heart. Mm, and I think that's part of the reason why we're friends. We're so passionate about this. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about today's topic, which is how can we support our early leadership development in children and help them to basically grow into future leaders, right? Right. So I'm just going to say a few words about Phil. So Phil Maycomber is president and CEO of Make a Difference, Inc., is an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, podcast host, and international education specialist who has trained thousands of educators around the globe. She's also advocating for children of all abilities to reach their potential in an inclusive classroom environment. Phil's an Amazon number one bestseller, with the book, Every Child Can Learn, Your Roadmap to Inclusive Education, which is being referred to as common sense education around the world. That's what we need a lot of right now, Phil, common sense. Yeah. So true. <laughs> right? And in 2022, Phil became the recipient of the I Am Woman of Inspiration Difference Maker Award and was named by the Rise Her Network as one of the top 100 women to know in 2023. And I couldn't agree more. So very well deserved. Thank you, Lisa. And on a more personal note, Phil and I met in the fall of 2021 when we were both members of the Kravitas group with Joel and Heidi Roberts, and I've become very dear friends ever since. It was almost instantaneous, right? It was. <laughs> and there are so many things I love about Phil. And one thing that really uh, is, is really important as it relates to the show is how passionate she is about teaching children and supporting educators and parents as well. And, you know, as it relates again to the show, it's about how to grow future leaders and start young, right? Right. So once again, Phil, a real honor to have you here with us today on Little Talks. Oh, it is my pleasure. You know, I always describe whenever you and I get together, we do brain dumps. It's <laughs> we get so excited and we just dump all of this stuff. And then it gets a creation of something we never thought would be created. And it's always so inspiring to me. And I highly respect your work. Oh, thank you so much, Phil. It's kind of magical, isn't it? We're planting seeds. Yeah, for sure. So let's see what seeds we can plant today about leadership and early childhood development. Because oftentimes we think about leadership as somebody who gets promoted as a manager or an executive, or they're leading a company or whatnot. But really, I truly believe, and I know you do share this, uh, this opinion as well, Phil, is that leadership can present itself at all ages, all backgrounds, all levels, really. 
So Phil, I'd love to know a little bit more about what does leadership mean to you? You know, I think I could summarize it in two words, strength and contribution. Mm. And when I speak about strength, Obviously, I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm talking about mental and emotional strength, that social emotional piece of being determined, never giving up, no matter what the roadblock is. And why? Because it's all about the contribution. And these are the things very early on in a child's life we need to educate them on so that they have that mindset as they move forward in their education and in their communities. Mm, Wow. I love that. I love that you're saying social emotional skills and strength Mm -hmm. in the same sentence. Yeah. You know, strength of character and integrity is really what it's all about. There was a little boy that raised his hand. He was in second grade, cutest little petunia. And uh, his name was Jacob. And he raised his hand and he said, Miss Phil, what do you think the most important thing to learn in school is? Mm. And I looked at him and I went, hmm, I don't need to think about it, Jacob. The biggest thing you could learn in school is how to be a better human. And all the kids were like, really, Miss Phil? What does that mean? And I looked at the teacher and she said, I think we need to do a lesson on this, Miss Phil. And we diverted from our plan based on this conversation that came up and we discussed leadership Mm. and what that means. I love so much about that. Oh, wow. You know, how to be better human, Human. how to be a good human and that you you brought in the idea of leadership with that. You know how powerful yeah. that is for a, a young person? There's still adults who are trying to figure out how those two go together, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to a word that you used at the start of this, magical. Magical. We were creating magic in this lesson because you could just see the light bulbs in the brains of these children and how they really cared to participate. Because one of the biggest problems in education that we face today is disengagement of students. These kids were motivated. They wanted to participate and they wanted to learn. And, you know, another child, Hannah, in that class just said, Miss Phil, I know that what I think matters. And I said, why would you say that, Hannah? And she said, because you asked me. Wow. (laughs) Right? How many times is it in education, the teacher has all the knowledge to then impart to the students, Mm. right? That wasn't this lesson. Everyone was participating. Everyone's voice mattered. And everyone wanted to have a voice because they felt it was valued. That is such a beautiful thing we should aspire at, you know, aspire to at any age. Correct. Right? Because And then even transferring that to the workplace, Lisa, absolutely. where you spend a significant amount of time, right? Yeah. 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 What an important lesson. Magical is the word, is a great word for, to kind of illustrate because we often forget 
how smart and intelligent and wise children are. And it's, you know, I've had similar experiences when I start engaging them in conversations about leadership. It's like they light up. It's it's almost like natural, right? Yeah, it is. It's so true. And I'm a big believer in kinesthetic learning, meaning we use all modes. We Mm -hmm. use visual, we use auditory, we use hands-on kinesthetic tactile, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, oftentimes some kids may be shyer to participate than others, right? Not every kid leads from the front. I say that all the time. You can't put every kid in front of the room and say you're a leader, right? Some kids lead from their desks. Some are supporting actors. You know, it's no different in the movie awards, like the Academy Awards. Not everybody gets main actor or main actress, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's all a part of the team. Everyone's contribution counts. So sometimes for those kids that say, I don't know what I think, Miss Phil. And I'll say, I have two tools that I could share with you. Pick one. And they go like this. And I said, you picked the pixie dust. So right now, close your eyes. I'm going to send you pixie dust. And that is going to help you think. Get ready. Three, two, one. Wow. If they pick this hand, they get the sweeper to be able to sweep out the cobwebs in their brain so that way they could think clearly. Students visualize these things. And the art of visualization is all about making what you want to happen in the world. I'm a big believer in visualization. And it's helped me tremendously in my own life. Wow. And so, so Phil, I'm so fascinated by, by these techniques and helping the children to connect basically with themselves, right? To, to find their voice, right? So their own voice, their own voice. Can you give Mm -hmm. an example of when that, you know, led to a child being able to express themselves? So may I give a personal example for myself? Yes, of course. Okay. My, well, let me start by saying, I think that when most people talk about teaching leadership to kids, they think that the biggest benefit is raising a kid's self-confidence, right? Like that's logical. That's kind of common sense. But Lisa, it goes so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. You know, leadership skills really help kids learn how to solve problems and make responsible decisions. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little girl, uh, my mom and dad would say, Philly, you could come to, this was my dad speaking, you can come to me and mommy with any problem. You will not be in trouble. But we're only going to talk about that problem for five to 10 minutes. The remainder of the time, we're going to focus on solutions. And that's how you are going to grow up to be a strong woman someday. I have never forgotten that, Lisa. So fast forward to fourth grade. Mm -hmm. I went to school at St. Mary's Parochial School in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Had a wonderful education there. We were a very poor school, did not have a lot of means, and we didn't have a library. So we had what was called the bookmobile. Did you ever hear of a bookmobile? You know what that is? It's the library in like this big bus 
Oh, Lisa, our bookmobile was the coolest looking bookmobile. It looks like something that would have come out of London. It was all dark wood inside. It had a circular staircase. It was a double decker. Oh, neat. Wow. It really was cool. And it was so special once a month when the bookmobile came, but you could only check out three books. Now, I loved to read. And so many of my friends love to read. But I went through those books like this. So in my mind, I said, okay, that's a problem. Let's focus on solutions. I'm going to do what my mom and dad taught me to do. So after the bookmobile came, instead of going back to my fourth grade classroom, I went down to the principal's office to Sister Paulette's and knocked on the door. And she said, Philly, what can I, I do for you? And I said, Sister Paulette, I think that we need to have a library at the school. And her response, focusing on the problems, she said, oh, Philly, we're a very poor school. We don't have the money to really have a library. And also, our school is so small, we don't have a place to even put a library. So, Lisa, I marched back to my classroom. And across from my classroom was the nurse's office. And Mrs. Procarum was a neighbor of ours who was the school nurse. And so I went in pretending I had a tummy ache. And I said, and she's like checking me out and looking in my throat. And finally she says, okay, I, I think everything's okay, Philly. And I said, Mrs. Precare, do you need all this space in here? <laughs> you probably know where I'm going. <laughs> yes. She was happy to give up a corner of her space for a library. So I marched back down, as you would imagine, to Sister Paulette's office, knocked on the door, and I said, I was just down at Mrs. Procarum's office, and she said we could have part of the nurse's office. Amazing. The, the sigh. Sister Paulette looks at me like, okay, this child's not going to go away, right? And she said, Philly, we don't have any money to buy any books. And I said, you know, I thought about that when I was walking down the hall. <laughs> and I was being very respectful. Yes, yes. However, strength, determination, never giving up. Yeah. This is how I was brought up. And I said, if every kid in the school donated a book and the teachers donate too, because, you know, they get a paycheck because they earn money, we could have a nice library at the school. And she said, now you need to get back to class, Philly. And so I marched back down and we were on like a snack break or whatever. So I'm telling my friends, they said, she's not going to do it, I don't think. And I said, Angela, isn't your dad a carpenter? And she said, oh, yeah, my dad would make the bookshelves. And I said, I think we all need to go back down to the principal's office because I knew at this point, Lisa, I was pushing it. Right. right. <laughs> I'll go back down. And she is like, girls, what can I do for you? Let me guess. This is about the library. So two weeks later, Lisa, we had a library. at That's Mary. amazing. Amazing. I love that story. Wow. What a, what a show of leadership. And, and in grade four. In grade four. Right. And you had the vision. You had the perseverance, you brought people in, you you yeah. found a carpenter, you resourced it, you figured out how to get around the financial 
challenges. It's amazing. What a great story and proof that leadership can happen at any age. It's very true. And, you know, I grew up, I was born in 1961. And so I grew up in the 60s where children were seen and not heard was the term. So, of course, my mother got a phone call and I was so proud of my parents when they basically pointed out to Sister Paulette, it just seems like Philly saw a problem and started coming up with all different solutions to the problem. So I guess I'm, are you calling to thank us? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I just felt so protected by my parents. Yeah. yeah. And and you know what? They created that safe space for you. They, they, they created a safe space for you to be able to be yourself and come up with your ideas and what, what's neat about it is that they weren't infantilizing you. It's like they're taking you seriously. And I think that's an important, oh, right? It, it is a really important point. You need to speak to kids like grownups mm-hmm. that they are able to handle large vocabulary. They are able to know that there are problems, that there is more than one solution mm-hmm. to a problem. These are all important critical thinking skills is what they're referred to. Mm-hmm. And critical thinking skills are all about problem solving and decision making. Yeah. And this builds what I think is one of the greatest benefits of teaching leadership to children at a young age is responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Problems are everyone's problems. It's not like that's not my problem. Right. Right. And getting help and and all that, you know, and it makes me think uh, you've heard me talk about Ava and Noah before my. Oh, I have. Yes. Grandniece and grandnephew. Anyways, they came over on the weekend and uh, I'm launching a big course called Elevate and Scale Your Leadership. And so I thought I I just love asking them questions because I never know what I'm going to get. And it's usually really good. So I said, Ava and Noah, you know, yeah, Lisa's trying to figure out, like, how I'm going to launch this thing. Like, how am I going to get the word out on this program? And so they're seven and, and well, eight and, and six. And so they're looking at me and they're like, hmm. So they took it very seriously. You know, mm-hmm. no, you know, they stopped their playing and they're like, hmm. Okay. Well, you you know what? You should you should stream on YouTube and and do TikTok. And make sure that there's writing that says the name of your course so people can see it in case they can't hear. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what great advice, you yeah. know, and yeah. uh, and and it's really neat. They took it seriously. They gave advice. It was great. And it was it was really uh, heartwarming and, and a, a reminder to ask kids their opinions, ask them what they think. This is really great stuff to contribute, right? It's so true. And by doing that, A, you're showing them their opinion really matters. And two, they figure out the relevance of something. And that goes back to the biggest problem in education today is disengagement. Mm -hmm. You know, kids look and say, well, why do I even need to know this? Why is this even important? Why do I have to do this? Those questions get eliminated by teaching leadership skills. Mm. Truly, they do. Mm. And and so if we were to say, you know, just encapsulate, explain why developing leadership abilities at an early age is so important. It all comes back to teaching kids responsibility. 
and uh, those critical thinking skills. You know, when I teach kids about their brain, I teach them that there is a command center in their brain. Mm. And those are called executive functions, like the executive office, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really what helps you manage yourself and manage what you need to get done. Mm. And that's extremely important as you get older and make more contributions, whether that's at school in an older grade, whether that's in college or in a trade school or in your community or at work. Mm. But you will always be making contributions Mm. in some way, Mm. right? That's just a part of being a human. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so teaching kids problem-solving skills. And I always go back to let's learn about leadership. As you know, I'm the author of the PAC teaching framework, which identifies four major brain-based tasks for kids to be successful when learning and sharing, which is learn about it, read about it, write about it, and talk about it. That is what we are doing with the teams I'm mentoring and coaching related to leadership. What is the, what's the key vocabulary? And I've mentioned some of them to you. Strength, character, integrity, honesty, mm-hmm. right? Working with others. That's a vocabulary term because not just self-confidence gets built and responsibility gets guilt built uh, by teaching kids at an early age, but also they start learning how to work together. So to me, leadership skills go hand in hand with team building skills. And as we know in the workplace, this is so important, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, so you mentioned some really key characteristics and qualities, you know, strength, contribution, honesty, integrity. Now let's look at also at, at qualities such as like compassion and connection, mm-hmm. courage, right? Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so after you go through um, these exercises with, with children, these, these sessions, you know, what does leadership look like for them, like in, in a practical sense in, in in elementary school, for example? Well, I have a perfect example, and it just happened this week. Ah, fresh <laughs> off the press. <laughs> fresh off the press. That's right. I was visiting a school, and it, I, I happened to be uh, observing their math class, and I was going to be jumping in with some suggestions for some strategies. And this was related to uh, solving some word problems. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what was happening in class is not the point as much as how it was unfolding Mm -hmm. in class. Because to start with, although a very qualified and many years of experience teacher leading the lesson, the teacher was doing 85% of everything in the lesson and the students were listening and had to write some things down individually at their desks or tables or whatever. And she looked over at me and I just, I have a signal usually with teachers and I just go like this, like, is it okay to jump in? Like, cause if they go one minute, like they need to finish something, I'm respectful of that. Mm-hmm. But she's like, Miss Phil, would you like to join? Mm-hmm. And I said, I actually would. Let's do the next problem. 
because everyone's doing this together, right? Mm -hmm. And I set up a strategy for them that simplified word problems. And it was creating this table to put information in. And I was explaining how a word problem is really a math story that needs an ending, no different than a book. You're writing a book, it needs an ending, right? Mm -hmm. And the kids are like, oh, that was their learn about. Okay, mm -hmm. we just reviewed what it was. Mm -hmm. But to the leadership component of this, of what it looked like in elementary school, I looked and said, we're going to create a table on the whiteboard. And I had a, you know, like a marker like mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And I said, who can draw me a very large rectangle big enough for us to put math in? Kids are raising their hand. I passed the marker up. She created it. And I said, okay, now we need a banner. A banner is at the top of the table. I'll show you an example. And then I erased it. Who could put my banner up here? Now I need four columns. All of a sudden, kids are just, they're just like coming up. Right. And then I did a PTP is what I call it. And the mm -hmm. kids who have been in some of my lessons know that means pass to appear. Mm. So I don't always have to pick who the kid is. It's like just now pass to somebody else, right? And normally they pass to their friends or who they hang out with at recess or lunch or whatever. But it just gets kids making decisions, getting out of their seat, coming up. Now we're going to enter this information. Why do I have to enter the information, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And prior to this, that wasn't happening. The teacher was doing all of this and the kids had to do it here, right? right. right? They're in their little, I'm going to call it cubicle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Of isolated learning as opposed to interactive learning. Mm -hmm. After we solved that word problem, much to the teacher's surprise, I have to say maybe 50% to my surprise, <laughs> right? Not 100%. The kids looked and said, so are we going to do another one? <laughs> like they, like who asked to do more math? Come right? on, Lisa. Right. Like it's not the most favorite subject in school um, for lots of kids. Well, you know. But it was because they were all a part of it. Yes. Right? And it's fun. You made it fun. And it's fun. And uh, you, you always hear me say fun is fuel, right? Gets yeah. Excited. I yeah. love that. I love that. And, and how. It became interactive. And again, coming back to, you know, the comparison to, to the workplace, how often do we see workplaces where people have their head down in their cubicle right. Right. and nobody asks them their ideas, their opinions, they're just told what to do. So right. it's like, let's, let's shift from telling and going to tell me more, right? Tell me exactly. more. What do you think like what, what yeah. I do you have, you know, and it works. Like I had a client this week tell me that, you know, they had, they had been brought up through that, that way of leading that you, you basically give instruction, you, you yeah. share your vision and then people execute it. Right. And right. so, so with, with some coaching and encouragement, she shifted to asking. So she, she, she said, okay, we have this, this challenge. What do you guys think we should do? And then she said she was like amazed that everybody coming up with the idea and it was better than the idea she would have had. And right. they solved it. They solved it. And it was a big, it was a, it was a budgetary issue. And she says, my team came up with the idea and we solved it and we're able to continue on, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so 
these things that you're teaching are so important because those kids are going to leave, uh, you know, that classroom with this idea that it's good to involve others in decision making and right. collaboration and teamwork. And it's more fun to do it that way. Exactly. And also, you have to be current with kids. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, uh, like an e- example at the end of that particular lesson, I said, okay, so now we are all going to share a hashtag. The kids are like, what? And I said, who can give us a vocabulary reminder for what a hashtag is? And one of the kids did and defined what it was. You know, it's a number sign, but it doesn't mean a number. I said, that's why I like doing this at the end of a math class, because this symbol takes on a different meaning. And I said, we're all going to go around and have a positive affirmation about math and about school. And, you know, some kids were like, hashtag, I'm better at math. Hashtag, math is easy. Hashtag, word problems rock. I love it. Yeah. But again, being current, showing relevance, teaching a positive outlook, right? And Lisa, one of the things that I love that you gave an example of is something that I say to teachers all the time which is give children a say in decisions and problem solving in the classroom. Give up some control. Have classroom votes on things. Have them come up with important things for us to consider in developing a social studies project, you know, or whatever it is that you can't ask kids to be good problem solvers if you never give them the opportunity to solve problems. Right. Right. It's and real common work. sense, right? Let's go back to the word common sense. Yeah. And, and these are like issues that they're dealing with that are current, like you said. So first right. of all, current, you're speaking their language. You're right. relating to something that they're used to and think is they must have thought you're pretty cool, Miss Miss Phil, you know, uh, to come up with that with the idea about the hashtags. And and then there's also like keeping it current in terms of like rather than just problems in a textbook, it's like real real day problems that or or issues that they're facing that need people to come together, even if they're little people, come together and, and come up with ideas on how to solve it. Yeah. Oh, love yeah. that. That's so great. Now, Phil, do you have other examples of tools or exercises you use to instill leadership or social emotional skills in children? I love teaching children to give. And let me explain what I mean about that. It is about purpose-driven service. Mm. And I love that term and was very humbled that someone referred to my work as purpose-driven service. And it really stuck with me. So I started bringing that terminology into various classrooms at many different ages, even including preschool, because that's as early as we should be training leadership skills, for sure. And uh, teaching kids about identifying a service project that will help others. Now, it has to be something they're passionate about because they're going to want to have to work on it, right? Mm -hmm. But the first thing that I say is identify what, what matters to you. And I have this wheel that we use and it has different things related to their brain um, about different areas of things that are important to them. 
And then they have to identify three things that uh, matter to them, like different categories of things. And uh, once they do that, they have to put two of them together in a math equation. This plus this equals my passion project. Mm. And I can give you an example. Um, One uh, child was very passionate uh, because she had moved into this community from a different location. So one of the things, categories in her brain that mattered to her was finding new places in her new community. Okay. And then another one was uh, kayaking because she always did that with her family and she was trying to make friends. So she wanted to be able to put it out there that that was one of her hobbies and things she likes to do. Um, and then another one uh, to this child is because she grew up very similar to myself with a cousin who has a disability, an intellectual disability, uh, just very similar to my cousin, Pam, that I grew up with. Uh, She had Special Olympics as something that mattered to her. And so we said, what are things that kind of go together here that you could work on a passion project with? And so she picked uh, places in her community and kayaking as the first project that she wanted to work on. And the other kids did this as well. They picked what mattered to them. And then her passion project was to create a picture-based guidebook of all the different places across three states that are close together, right? And then she wanted to share it out. Then she put places in her community and Special Olympics, right? And so then she did a little project on that. And boy, like, let me tell you what you didn't hear in the classroom. Why do I have to do this? So like, can we work on our projects now? I have, I have 10 minutes before recess. Can I pull out my passion project? Amazing. I love that. That's so moving. And it's, it really is like when, when you, when we do these kinds of leadership uh, exercises uh, with children, with people of any age, it really unleashes their genius. It, it, and, and they want to, like they get right behind it. They put all their energy and focus and they're excited. They, they're almost vibrating, Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. To learn that young is such a gift. And I really want to applaud you for, for bringing that into the classrooms because it's so oh, important. Imagine it, when children so grow up, what impact, well, they're already having an impact. So imagine. Well, exactly. Right? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Gives me hope yeah. for the future. It does. Um, and-, and Lisa, it's brilliant the way you said, unleash, unleash their genius. Yeah. It that's a beautiful thing. I'd like, I'm going to credit you on that. And I'm going to bring that to the teams that I'm mentoring and coaching, because so many times you will hear adults say related to the word impact you just mentioned of, uh, well, what kind of impact do you want to have once you leave school? No, you could have impact while you're in school, right? Right. That's what you're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to give them a chance. Right. you know, and, and uh, create that permission because, you know, sometimes children get into school, it's all about rules and structure and all that. And, and so they might be holding back from sharing their gifts and sharing their perspectives. And when we allow and create that, I call it sacred space for them to do that. Like what comes out is amazing. It's incredible. Right. Yeah. 
And then you ha- all of a sudden you see that they're by nature philanthropic. By nature, they want to do good. By nature, you know, they want to create a better world for themselves and others. It's very true. And, you know, the research shows that the most significant people as children start going through their school career, that they reflect back to are their teachers. That's why educators have a tremendous responsibility to model, 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 model. And one of the things that educators need to model is to admit when they made a mistake and how they rectified it. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. At the end of every lesson, I'll say, you know, this is something I think went really well. Let's vote. Do you guys think this went well? And, you know, some kids are like, yeah, some might be like, yeah, okay, it didn't jazz me up, but yeah, okay. Really you did a good job, Miss Phil. <laughs> but then I'll say, but this is something I would change next time because. I'm not sure. I think it was, and all the kids were like, oh my goodness. And I'll say, let's problem solve what we could do the next time. Like I'm thinking, help me out. Help me be a better thinker. And the kids are just like, well, maybe next time we could do this, this, and this. It helps you be a better teacher. Listen to the kids. Wow. Wow. And what your role modeling is super important. Like the self-reflection piece. Absolutely. To find that sometimes things didn't work out as well. So let's think about a better way of doing it. I mean, what a great leadership lesson that is, right? And it's a close cousin to learning to apologize as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. If if we've hurt someone or or whatnot, you know, it's taking the ego out of it and really getting honest and having that integrity. So beautiful. And, and, And you spoke about, you know, the important role of educators. So what is your top piece of advice for educators to support leadership development in children? Give them opportunities to lead. Mm. You know, setting up a classroom community with shared leadership that is not led solely by the teachers. And I don't mean, oh, who's going to pass out the papers and who's going to do this. I mean, in instruction, like the example that I gave right? Like one kid was in charge of the technology and had to like highlight things in the word problem to put in the table and everybody had their job. Mm. And I call that shared responsibility because that's about teamwork, right? Mm. That's about collaborating with other people. And that, and I think that next in line and equally important, you know, so not necessarily a number two, but that's a 1A and a 1B would be self-reflection, giving kids opportunities to self-reflect. And may I share an exercise that I do? Yes, please do. Yeah. I wrote this in my first book, The Power of the Pact, um, that my husband had shared with me when we first got together and we've been together 34 years at the time of this recording. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um, I highly respect Rob in terms of his self-growth, in terms of self-perception and wanting to be a better human. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so he had said to me long ago, he adopted an exercise that he did right after he said, I love you. Good night. And closed his eyes before before going to sleep. And he calls it the three, three exercise. And Mm -hmm. I too have adopted this in my professional and personal life. Mm -hmm. 
And it involves examining the three things that you did to make a difference that particular day, in that particular lesson you're teaching, in that particular talk you're giving, in your course you're teaching, Lisa, whatever it is. And then followed by what are the three things that you should improve on to make a greater difference? And my parents talked about making a difference ever since I can remember thinking and hearing because I, as you know, Lisa, I'm adopted and I was adopted when I was seven weeks old and boy, did my parents make a difference in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in fact, I remember um, my mom's birthday uh, is coming up in the next month and I reflect back, both my parents have since passed away, but I remember when I was maybe four, four and a half years old, I was sitting on my mom's lap and I was facing her, like straddling her. And I'm like squashing her face. And I was like, mommy, I love you. And, and I said, why did you adopt me out of all the babies in the orphanage? Why did you adopt me? Was it because I didn't cry? Was it because, you know, and I'm firing all these questions at her. And she took my face in her hands and she said, she called me Petunia. And she said, Petunia, the real reason that daddy and I adopted you was to make a difference. And when you grow up to be a young woman, you will find your own unique way to make a difference. And I tell that story to kids. Mm. Sorry. And have you ever made a difference or continuing to make a difference? Oh, thank you. Globally. you. You really are contributing to, you know, growing the next generation of leaders. And that's what we need right now. That's what the world needs. It is what we need right now. And and we need to do more of it together, my friend. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Phil. You know, it's it's been so wonderful to have this conversation with you. And uh, I just loved it. And there's just so many takeaways and about the characteristics of a leader, the qualities, and how, you know, we can start to plant really amazing seeds when children are still in elementary school and even younger and to think about leadership and, and to plant those seeds and then watch them grow, you know, and what a difference, just like your parents planted those seeds in you. And, uh, and it's just a beautiful story. So Phil, please share, how can people reach you? Oh, they can reach me in many different ways. Um, Definitely through email. That's Phil, P-H-Y-L at about the pact. Dot com. That's about A B O U T, the T H E P A C T pact.com. Uh, they can go to our website, uh, about the pact.com. They could reach out on Facebook, Phil Maycumber, or Every Child Can Learn Facebook page on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You really are global. <laughs> uh, you know, I welcome it. I love. Beautiful. Helping people. And I love connecting with people. And I love connecting good people with good people. Yeah. And And it's so apparent in everything you do. And uh, I I just love you for it. So, uh, Phil, any last words of wisdom that you can share with our listeners? Never lose sight of how children always 
look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Meaning, however you behave is a model for them how they should behave. And you should be very conscious about that. And it's extremely important as we are shaping our future generation. Mm, absolutely. Kids are, are, are looking to us. Yeah. Right? Let's be good leaders and they'll be good leaders too. That's Thank right. You so much, Phil. Oh, Love you. And um, this Love you too. An amazing little talk. Thanks again. My pleasure. A big thank you to our Little Talk listeners for tuning into today's show. Please share with friends and colleagues who care about leadership and what is happening in our workplaces. If you'd like to keep this conversation going, please go to lightyourleadership.com to book a discovery call. While you're there, be sure to grab your copy of Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. We wish you an excellent rest of the week. And until next time, remember to light your leadership because building authentic business relationships will help you to love your life as a leader.